0: Listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam.
1: Welcome to day 309 and 310 of Fed by Ravens. We are working our way through the entirety of God's holy scriptures, his revealed word to us, and we are just trying to connect to it as a narrative, not trying to even get too spiritual, but you can't help it because it's so full of life. So let's just get back into it, man. We are in the heart of an amazing prophet. A prophet I admittedly have had a hard time understanding throughout my life, Mm -hmm. but it is starting to become clear.
0: Our Old Testament reading for today is Ezekiel chapter 7 through chapter 12.
1: This is the end, my friend. It's an old Doors song. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, The Doors? Yeah. Yeah. It went well with uh, Apocalypse Now, an old movie um, that was very long and kind of had a similar message of doom and gloom. Hmm. Ezekiel is in that phase right now where he's being told to tell the people he is in exile and he's telling the people uh, very clearly, it's over, God's coming back, he's upset, Uh, God's going to pour out wrath on us, it's over. And I I sometimes think of you'll see street preachers, or at least the old idea, I don't see them anymore, with signs like that are kind of like doom and gloom, the end is near, right? Mm -hmm. But in this context, Ezekiel is, I realize that he has to say it because they're in exile and Jerusalem has not been totally destroyed yet. Yeah and the temple hasn't been destroyed. So they're still hoping, and they're being told by false prophets, mm-hmm. hey, it's just gonna be a year or two. God's gonna save us and bring us back to his temple. Mm-hmm. And Jerusalem's gonna still stand, don't worry. There's like, basically, His help come. Help is coming. Right. And so that's why Ezekiel <laughs> is the prophet to the people in exile saying, no, 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 no. no, no. It's not happening. Help yeah. is not coming from Jerusalem. Help is not coming from the temple. In fact, it's, like, all the opposite.
0: Yeah. Instead, it's uh, God's wrath is about to be poured out on that place. Right. Like, we were, like, the precursor. <laughs> we mm-hmm. were the, the
1: warning shot. The exiles that are taken actually was, like, a gift. Well, yes, that's also, You're like- the kid who got spanked when you were a kid? And it worked out to teach you good things versus the other ones who never got spanked yeah. and never learned their lessons.
0: So remember, um, Jeremiah had a thing about that, where yeah. the ones who were in exile were the good figs, and the ones right. who were left in the in Jerusalem were the bad figs, just ready to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, you guys are actually the lucky ones. And and if anything, we're supposed to be like a warning, like, hey, this is going to happen to you if you don't get your things together. And... Uh, They're just not listening, and so...
1: Well, I'm looking at this, too, from a perspective of, like, preaching, Mm -hmm. and so there is a time where you have to say, that's wrong. Yes. That's just not right. That's not Mm -hmm. what we believe. I know it might sound cool, and everybody likes that. and so the idea that if you don't preach the law, then the gospel is not fully understood or comforting. You have to preach this for everything else to be comforting, and we've seen that throughout the prophets. So he says, this is the end. Uh, don't look to the hills, man. In fact, everything's been desecrated by uh, idolatry. Mm-hmm. Let me show you. Yes. So let's get in chapter eight. More visions.
0: So. For Ezekiel. Ezekiel is taken up in the spirit. It's pretty awesome. From his place in Babylon, and is spiritually transported to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. and he's taken in through the north gates, which is also interesting. Like I'm starting to like get some of this stuff. I know, I know. And I'm like, oh, he's coming from the north because he's coming from the north. Right, literally. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool.
1: So this is the first part of the Mm -hmm. temple you'd see if you were to go back. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a virtual tour. So when you think of Ezekiel now, he's in a vision, Mm -hmm. which means he's somewhere between heaven and earth under the influence and led by the hand of God. And God is taking him back to the temple through this vision. First thing he sees is the north gate.
0: Yeah. And so he's now walking through and as he's uh, as he's going when he goes there what's the first thing he sees is uh, supernatural man he sees the yeah he sees the supernatural man the likeness of god right and as we would say a precursor or jesus like we would say like it's a preing Reincarnate Christ.
1: Right. I, and I wouldn't say that like dogmatically, like right. this is Jesus, but it sure looks like the Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Yes. So when Jesus is, yeah, so, and he's being led by the Spirit, and it's uh, there's like metal, and that's mm-hmm. the brightness, and the cloud, and the fire, and, um, and so he leads him into the temple, and the part that surrounded the great altar of burnt offering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the offering altar, and this is where, um, Ezekiel describes seeing the glory of God and the really seeing jealousy. Yes. How do you see jealousy? I was thinking about that. Like, if I said to you, what does jealousy look like, Matt? Do you have any idea what you'd say? If you don't, I do. Green. (laughs) Green. Jealousy to me would be like seeing my wife's face if she walked into a place and I'm holding another woman's hand. Mm -hmm. Which would be... uh, total anger and Mm -hmm. rage and then for me total fear and like a sobriety of which I've never felt like what am I doing oh no I have cheated on I am in trouble like to me that's what 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 does jealousy look like it looks like someone who's been cheated on yeah and they've caught you in the act now that scenario I just described you has never happened so uh, fear not people yeah everything's good
0: But this is exactly what's happening with God's people is God's walking in and they're holding the hands of other gods.
1: And this is what he wants to show Ezekiel. Mm -hmm. Come look at the temple from a heavenly perspective. Yes. So like we are above it and around it and in it, but we can see what's going on. And the first thing he shows him is look at all the abominations. Mm -hmm. So even within the temple, Yes. See, we're all... Because in exile, you start to... When you're in exile, you romanticize relationships. When you're at war, you romanticize the girl you knew for two weeks, Mm -hmm. like she's going to be waiting for me. She's not, Mm -hmm. most times. And so the romantic nature is the temple is saving us. That's where God is. It's all going to be restored. That's what we want to believe. So Ezekiel, you're going to be my prophet. Let's go look at it from God's perspective, hence a vision.
0: And the interesting thing is, is one of the first things he does see is... The vision of God's throne yeah. and God on His throne over the temple, like He saw at the river, right in the first couple chapters. Because the
1: temple is real;
0: it, it is real; it's a real place. God really has His real presence there, right? And Ezekiel seeing it, and so we're going to see God's presence interact with the temple now. Yeah. And uh, so he first thing he goes is he shows him three different um, abominations. Yeah. And so he he walks by. Uh, this gate, and then there's a hole in the wall, and the Lord's like, dig through, make that hole bigger and dig through the wall. And so he digs through the wall and finds um, a room, like a hidden room, with a bunch of Israelite elders. Seventy. Yeah, worshiping, um, like carvings, like praying to these carvings and drawings that they've made all over the wall. So one of the big things within, like, the Holy of Holies is that there are no images.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, it's like the ark, and it's an empty room because you can't capture God in an image. Right. And so now they have this hidden room, and they've made all these images, yeah. and now they're, have, they have censors, like, and I'm thinking of, like, the Sons of Korah, yeah. and they're worshiping and burning incense to these other gods, saying, these are our gods now because God has looked away from us. And the,
1: the significance of 70 is um, the 70, this is like the 70 elders yeah, the that Jethro assigns to Moses mm-hmm. to help run. This sets up the Sanhedrin. This mm-hmm. sets up even like the Septuagint that's decided by mm-hmm. 70. Anyway, yeah. there's all these things. This represents the leadership of worship for the people of yeah. God. And so in secret, they're in the shadow of the temple. In the temple, they're yeah. worshiping other things. Abomination number one, and that is God just, that's you want to see what jealousy looks like? Right. God is is upset, and rightfully so. The next one was, um, is that the women? The who, women. Who are weeping for Tammuz. Tammuz. What I read about that was it's in line with Adonis, mm-hmm. and it's the idea of the rainy season. Again, mm-hmm. it's this is fertility. You need rain for your crops. When the rainy season's over, the myth was Adonis or Tammuz would die. Yes. And so you you ensure them coming back next year by crying. Mm-hmm. Again, weeping, tears, tears. Everything's connected, like physically and spiritually. That's how we're created, and so. uh, But again, this is idolatry, even by the women.
0: And it's happening at the entrance
1: gate of the temple. Of the temple. So there's idolatry inside the temple. There's idolatry uh, outside as you enter the temple, and then the third one, where was this happening? In the The inner court. So in
0: the inner court, right, like I think outside of the altar, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: where they had sacrifice. The. There's a, uh, 25 men, and their backs are to the temple. They're they're turned their backs away to the temple, God, right. away from God, and they're bowing down to the sun and Which, worshiping the
1: sun. And you think about the Aaronic blessing, like, may the Lord bless you and keep, keep you. you, turn his face Faced. towards you, his yes. countenance. It's about facing God, and mm-hmm. we can feel the presence of his face lighting up when he sees us, and... Again, the leadership and the people. Uh, this is 25 people with their backs to that face of God, mm-hmm. and instead to the sun. So, all this goes. Uh, God shows Ezekiel, like, "Hey, I want you to see the true nature of the temple." And for me, it would be like my one of the overarching ideas allegories for me mm-hmm. would be uh, downtown Orlando. You'll see so every so often a fumigation, like the big tent over yeah. a house. And so I imagine that conversation is you have too many termites, you have too many roaches, we have to fumigate. Yeah. And, but you, you have to see it before you believe it because no <laughs> one wants to, to right. put poisonous gas all over the house, move out, and have all the neighbors know you have a tent over your house. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see it to believe it. And this is like God showing Ezekiel, look, you're in exile. That's the safest place you can be. Do not look to this place. It's infested with idolatry and um, adultery and vi-
0: yeah, violence, violence,
1: syncretism, rejection of true faith, all this stuff. So <clears throat> tell the people what you're seeing.
0: Yeah, and he's like, I will act in wrath. My eye will not say, spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them.
1: Right, so we see why. Now mm-hmm. we go to what happens. And, you, and what we're confronted with is through this vision is that God's wrath is real Yes, it is more brutal than you can imagine mm-hmm. because his anger is bigger than you can imagine mm-hmm. because our sin is bigger and grosser than you can imagine.
0: Yeah, so I love the transition of from 8 to 9 where mm-hmm. it's like they can cry with a loud voice and I won't hear them. Yeah. And then verse 1 in chapter 9 is, then he cried in my ears with a loud voice and the Lord's voice is heard. Right, Our voice, no matter how loud we can get, God can choose to be like, no, I'm not going to hear you. But God's voice is always heard. That's
1: a good find, man, because we're going to see that in Hebrews, mm-hmm. the intercession of Christ for us. Mm-hmm. So we go in Christ because Christ's voice is always heard. Is always heard. So, That's awesome. So
0: God's voice on this, though, is saying, bring the executioners of the city. Yeah. And so six, what we would imagine are angels, six angels dressed in black show up, and then one angel dressed in white with a scribe's... Garb and tools right.
1: shows up, so like a hand. It says like a case in his hand. Yeah. Basically, yeah, it's like the scribes' kit. Yeah, and then the instructions from God is the guy in white. Yeah, will go and put the sign of the cross or a mark on the foreheads. Of all those who understand the abominations and groan and are like, God forgive us for our abominations.
0: Yeah, so in our translation, in most of the translations, it'll say, uh, put a mark on the foreheads. And in the Hebrew it's the put a tau, and the tau is an, an X or a cross. And so it's pretty crazy. Like so the in, so the idea is he's putting the mark of God on the people that are at least upset about the abominations that are happening in the city. And so this like is Jeremiah and uh, his scribes. Right. And so this scribe is going through and putting a cross, a spiritual cross on the foreheads of those who God's like, I going to save them.
1: Two things. One, this is the same word that was used in Exodus with the blood of the lamb over the doorpost. Yes, it is. It's the cross. Two, this is what we do, uh, at least in our denomination and our... Our thing with baptism, we put the sign of the cross on their foreheads. It comes from this, Mm -hmm. that we are marked. Uh, The third thing I want to say at this point is, and I'll bring it up again at the end, Revelation, the book of Revelation, is a vision much like Ezekiel's. It is. And so you'll read and you'll hear people misinterpret the mark of the beast. Mm -hmm. You get a mark of the beast on your head. At this point, I just want to tell you. It's the, we receive the true mark of God, which is baptism and our the cross. That's the mark of God. We are set mm-hmm. apart for salvation. The enemy always has counterfeits, so yeah, he'll put all sorts of marks on you. Mm-hmm. And and but again, this is a uh, very clear spiritual understanding of the things God's given us. So don't ever get confused with that. And as we get to the book of Revelation, we will come back to and remember Ezekiel Ezekiel because Ezekiel's writing to exiles. And Daniel. Remember that everything's been destroyed, mm-hmm. but you have access to the temple mm-hmm. of God and that's all real for you, even in exile. And we in fact are in exile. Christ's work has been completed, mm-hmm. yet we're awaiting it. So anyway, that's just a side note. Let's get back to this because this is pretty great.
0: Yeah, so he so the scribe goes through, marks everyone, and then the Lord says, uh, now he tells the other six in black, says go through the city Don't spare anyone. Anyone who doesn't have the cross, anyone who doesn't have the mark, kill them. I don't care if they're young, old, male, female,
1: uh, kill them. Done. Done. We're out. And that's how it works. God is extremely and more loving than you can imagine. Oh, also harsh.
0: I do want to say this is where we start to see the movement of the glory of God. Yes, yeah. So the glory of God, which was over and around the temple, is now moved at this point to the threshold so, yeah. the glo- so Ezekiel the is watching the glory of God move away from the temple. So now he's at the threshold and is making room for the executioners to come in because he says, "Go in and defile the house." Right. He's like, "It's done." And again, this is
1: all like going to be deja vu mm-hmm. at the Revelation in AD seventy when Rome destroys the second temple. The glory of God leaves. You know, I mean, like it's anyway. Mm-hmm. It's it's so amazing. The story is being clearly put out here there is not there's not a lot of mystery so then
0: we get to chapter 10 and when we get to chapter 10 he almost re-describes chapter one chapter one because he's like i want you guys to know that this is the same thing what's happening at the temple the presence of god at the temple is the same thing i saw at the river God's throne really is mobile. I think this is what's blowing Ezekiel's mind as a priest, is going, we have grown up and been taught that God's presence is only at the temple. Yes. But I am being shown that God's presence is mobile and can meet us wherever he chooses. And he has only chosen to meet us here. It's mind-blowing. And it's wrecking
1: Ezekiel's mind. (laughs) Well, and that's what wrecks everybody's mind with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Like we can boldly go before the throne of God by the power of the Holy Spirit now, anywhere Mm -hmm. in Jesus. Like that's nuts because God still meets us in specific places where Mm -hmm. he chooses. You know, he's always going to be at worship services. You know, he's always going to be.
0: Okay. So he's, so basically the, the image I was kind of getting here though, is so he sees the glory, the throne of God, and then he kind of actually sees these cherubim like that, he saw mm-hmm. swoop in now, and they're coming down and picking up the glory of God to right. transport it away. Nice. And so these the hot coals. These, and yeah, so these cherubim are now here with the wheels and the four faces and all that. And the Lord tells the, the scribe, Hey, apparently there's hot coals underneath these cherubim. Go grab those hot coals and scatter them among yeah. the city and the temple. And we're gonna light this
1: thing on fire and purify it. Yeah, perfect. Fire reference, Holy Spirit. And then in chapter eleven, well, I think uh, the idea is God's glory uh, is moving away from this, but He's abandoning the temple.
0: Yeah. So He. The, so. He, but His
1: glory will not depart forever.
0: Right. So they mount up, and the glory of the Lord went from the threshold. So now it's moving from like the doorway, the gate, the entrance to the mm. temple. And now it's moving out into the city. So it's moving away. And so now the spirit lifts up Jerem or Ezekiel. He lifts him up into chapter 11 and takes him in further into the city and shows him what the other leaders are doing.
1: Oh, yeah. Is this where he says, look, Jerusalem's a cauldron and you are the meat? Well, no. So Not this yet. is what
0: this is, but this is what the people were saying. Yeah, the so people were
1: saying God doesn't act. He doesn't ever...
0: Well, so the people say... um, Okay, so we have two princes, two leaders of the people, and they're saying... um, They're using this expression, and it's weird, because I would think it would be a bad thing, but from this cultural perspective, what they're trying to say is a good thing, and they are saying, the city's a cauldron, we are the meat. And they're saying, the city is protecting us from invaders.
1: Right, that's and, it. They're,
0: they're, they have and, arrogant they, self-assurance in the like, city and the The hills. city's going to protect us. No one can take Jerusalem. It's on the city on the hill. We're well defended. We're the that's meat protected right. in the cauldron. And then the Lord says, no, no, they're the butchers that filled the cauldron with meat. That's right. With the meat of their widows and orphans, of the people of the city that they were supposed to protect. They killed them and filled this city up with meat. I'm going to scatter this pot, and the people, foreigners from the north will plunder you and eat you,
1: yeah, there it is and um and then for Ezekiel's sake, God, I think gives this this verse, verse nineteen, yeah, in chapter eleven, where it's like um, Ezekiel is kind of getting messed up, he's like, <laughs> oh, and so God gives this beautiful section where um yeah, we'll go. Let me start verse 19. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit, and I will, I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God. And so then he goes, But if they don't turn from detestable things, they won't get these. But the, I think the little there's a little bit of hope for Ezekiel, like, yeah. Hey, my glory is mobile and moving and active, and I have a remnant. Mm-hmm. And with my remnant, I'm going to give them new hearts and a new spirit. We're going to replace their stone, stone heart for a heart of flesh. And yeah. that's from the inside. Out. I'm going to change yeah. everybody from the inside out, not from the outside in anymore, because you've started worshiping the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and then we see the, the glory of God move one last time and yeah. it jumps from the city to the Mount of Olives. Ancient across the Kidron Valley to the Mount of Olives. And from the Mount of Olives, um, I think he makes a last statement.
1: What was the great thing that happened at the Mount of Olives?
0: Uh, Jesus praying and betrayed at the Mount of Olives. Boom, there it is. Um,
1: Jesus uh, coming under the wrath that everybody else Oh, no, deserves. he
0: just, the glory of God went from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain that was east side of the city. And then the Spirit lifts him up out of the vision and... Puts him back in his body in
1: Babylon. And then and then he's kind of back to business as usual. He gets this great vision. And so God's like, all right, go back to your um, illustrations. Yeah. And so he's told to give this illustration of pack, like as if you're going into exile mm-hmm. and you have to take everything you can with you. Yes. It's your pack your exile luggage, mm-hmm. take it out, and then like basically dig a hole through your wall. Yeah, of your
0: little house. And of your little
1: house, dig with your hands and tell everybody this is basically what's going to happen to king the king of Israel the king of Judah Zedekiah Zedekiah and this is this is before probably 3 4 years before mm-hmm. what actually happens is Zedekiah escapes through the garden the king's garden wall mm-hmm. they dug a hole through they covered his head with a bag because they didn't want him to be noticed so he goes out of the city not seeing even mm-hmm. looking one last time at his kingdom before being captured and his eyes poked out and everybody around him killed, which is exactly what Ezekiel has to tell the people with this new little illustration. Mm-hmm.
0: Hey, again, don't look to them for salvation.
1: And that's the point. Is, They're
0: gonna be joining us. And
1: that's the point, like you cannot look to the things that worked in the past mm-hmm. because your sin has corrupted those. You must look to the living God right now and trust him, which right. is the same message to us today. Cool. That's heavy, Ezekiel. hopefully it's starting to make sense at least in a narrative sense we can keep up with the story yeah let's move now to the new testament our new testament
0: reading for today is hebrews chapter 6 verse 13 through chapter 7
1: all right so finishing the thought of chapter 6 Mm -hmm. the the way the reading broke up it was kind of a little bit unfortunate but still it's it's going to make sense at the end here um if you listen to them in order. If, if you listen to these in order. But uh, he's just encouraged everybody, look, you're not the people who who go away with fear and doubt or pride. You're the people mm-hmm. who love God. And he's reminding them in, in the face of maybe being tempted to leave the crucifixion of Christ and his high priestly uh, intercession for you, you're tempted to do that. Uh, but you won't. And here's another reason why you won't. It's the end, of verse, uh, the end of chapter six, and mm-hmm. that is God made a promise to Abraham. Remember, he just promised to Abraham, you're going to be the father of a huge nation. He kept yeah. that promise. Yes. Look at us. We've been a nation now for a couple thousand years. Mm-hmm. He's done it. So now he carries that idea, like God kept his promise to Abraham. How much more does he keep his promise to Jesus, right. his son, but he didn't just give a, uh, a promise. He also gave an oath, yes. a guarantee. Yes. So we he trusted, swore by himself. So we trusted the promises of Abraham. How much more can we trust the promises and the oath to his son, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ? And that's where verse 19 is. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So to wrap up that idea, he's brought us back to remember the promises that were built on now. They're actually double. They're actually better than Abraham because Jesus has a better promise, a better oath. Oh, and it says in this section too, it's impossible for God to lie. Now, Jesus, as the high priest, goes behind the inner curtain before to make intercession for us. And what you find out is Jesus is, is of the order of Melchizedek because that order comes before even Abraham, who we all love and know and trust.
0: Yeah, so before we jump into Melchizedek, I just want to tie it even to what we just experienced in Ezekiel, where Ezekiel is looking at an actual temple that's riddled with abomination and idolatry, Mm -hmm. but it's a representative of a real spiritual temple. And so now what's being set up is we have a high priest who can actually enter the real spiritual temple and go before God.
1: Well, this is so interesting. That's be- what we connect. That's what we have now. Have you ever connected this? That the re- the original audience for Hebrews is in a similar place as the audience for Ezekiel. Yeah.
0: No, yeah, because they're they're he's speaking to Jews, not in Jerusalem. He's speaking to Jews that are dispersed throughout the right. nations. And
1: and even Jerusalem, though, is occupied by Rome, yes. and the temple will be destroyed in AD seventy. Yes. And so he's saying, like, we have someone better who goes into the, the real
0: right. We don't need to go back to that temple anymore.
1: Yeah. well um, and so here's why because the question is, let me just cut to the question unless you need to let's set up okay so there's Melchizedek. who and, is Melchizedek? Yeah, here's who Melchizedek is. His name means king of righteousness mm-hmm. and he's the king of Shalom, yes, which Salam, which is peace. peace. So here you have a priest, a king and a priest. The definition of and the unity of these two ideas, king and priest. Yes. Foreshadowing Jesus Christ. And he's the king of peace, king of righteousness. Now, there's this little verse that he's without genealogy, which Mm -hmm. makes total sense to me now. I used to just think, oh, Jesus was the son of God, and so he's not, he's human and divine. Mm -hmm. But no, this is about the priesthood. Right. You only become a priest because you're appointed according to your genealogy are you a child of Aaron? Are you a child of Aaron in the tribe of Levi? God appoints who his priests are. It's Mm -hmm. not up for choice. Yet Melchizedek has no genealogy. It doesn't mean that we don't know who his parents are. It just means his parents had no genealogy connected to Aaron. Why? Because this is years and years before Aaron's even born. Mm -hmm. This is at Abraham's time. Melchizedek Mm -hmm. comes out and serves as king and priest to Abraham long before the whole Levitical system is even set up. Yeah. And that's the point here, is that because the question is, Jesus is of the tribe of Judah. He's not of the tribe of Levi. How can he be our high priest? Right. Well, the author says, because Jesus is actually appointed by God to be our high priest in the order of Melchizedek, who was before Abraham. And in fact, Abraham and Aaron, who was inside of Abraham, mm-hmm. paid a tithe, paying homage to, to Melchizedek's authority Mm -hmm. and um, appointment by God to be a high priest. Yeah. And so this is why it's important. Because if we just follow the genealogy, Jesus is disqualified. Yes. And rightfully so. Right. But God had provided uh, the king of righteousness and king of peace.
0: As a model. As a
1: model. And what I I connected this time is that you have the very... It's like bookends to the priesthood. Yeah. And the bookends to the priesthood are Melchizedek and Jesus. Mm Mm-hmm. And they both were appointed by God specifically above and, and, and beyond the system. And, again, it's not just on one promise. It's on an oath and a guarantee. So what does this mean? This means that um, we shouldn't be confused because, again, the original audience is going, can Jesus be our high priest?
0: Right. He's not of
1: Levitical descent. I mean, maybe he can be a king because of David. Yeah, because he's of Judah descent. Right. And... Uh,
0: so, he kind of gets into on verse 11, where he's like, okay, look, if mm-hmm. we could be saved through the Levitical system, if perfection could yes. be attained through the Levitical priesthood, um, then we wouldn't need another priest, and we wouldn't need this priestly order of Melchizedek. Yes. Um, but, obviously, it was
1: not attainable. Yes. Uh, well, and- Yeah. Well, here's the verse I had written down. Because So the idea that we just need to hit here mm-hmm. is Jesus is a better high priest. Mm-hmm. He's a better hope because he brings a new covenant. Mm-hmm. He's ministering and being a priest to, a mediator, between a better covenant, one that doesn't require blood. It's already taken his blood, but it's going to be the praise of his saints. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing yes. in office. Yeah, yeah, But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. This is who Jesus is as our king and our high priest. The word of oath came later and appoints a son who's made perfect forever, and he lives to make intercession for you and me so that we can boldly go before the throne of God right now and Mm -hmm. say, God... Would you have mercy on me? I come in Jesus' name. He says, absolutely. My face shines upon you. I give yeah. you peace and I give you grace and I help you in your time of need. Yeah. And uh, he, that's the end. He appoints him forever. Mm-hmm. Our high priest is appointed by God. Yeah. We and it's eternal. And it's eternal and it's effective. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lord, for uh, Jesus Christ, our high priest and our king, the king of righteousness, the king of peace. <laughs>
0: Our psalm for today is Psalm 119, verses 169 through 176. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise for your... For you teach me your statutes; my tongue will sing of your word. For all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you. Let your rules help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget. Your
1: been fed by ravens hope you enjoyed today's episode i really did so go in peace and serve the lord we'll talk to you next time